And like I was sharing with someone this morning, the book of Acts is, is a book you come to and you, you know you can't convey everything that is in this powerful book, but the concern of a pastor, the concern of your pastor's heart is that I do not leave out something that we absolutely need to know about this book. As we come to Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, as it is sometimes referred to, I, I want to stress to you, it is a much grander work, it is a much more powerful work than just the Acts of the Apostles. Let me illustrate it this way for you. Uh, Kevin and Kim gave me a wonderful illustration to, to open this morning with. Uh, Kim shared with me that their grandson came running into the kitchen to his mother. A song was playing on the, the radio. He is exalted. I love that song, by the way. But the song was playing, He is exalted, and he came running in and said, Mom, Mom, it's, it's saying he's exalted just like you. <laughs> I know it's cute, but, but Alex, his mom, replied back, The radio, sweetie, is saying exalted, not exhausted. How many can relate? <laughs> All the moms raise their hands. Okay. I, I'm glad that when we come to the book of, of Acts, that, and we, we see all that God is doing. But by the way, look at, I mean, we're going to stay busy this morning, okay? Um, but when we see all that God is doing, we can exclaim with, with joy, excitement, that God is to be exalted. We are to exalt this amazing God knowing, and this is so encouraging, that as we see him working, he is not growing weary. He is not exhausted. And the God that we see working in Acts is still working today. He's, he's doing an amazing work. Luke opens up as he begins to express this, this second letter to Theophilus. He, he opens up with these words, and, and I love how, how Luke introduces this book. Look at this. He says, the first account, which was Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do. See, the work of, of Jesus' life in Calvary and the resurrection, that was just the beginning. All that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. You see, Jesus was just beginning. And as we open the pages of Acts, we begin to see more and more of what Jesus would do and teach. And I look and I see a clock and I see, oh my goodness, we only have 30 minutes to begin to touch on this. This is exciting though. And look at what, what, what we have in Scripture. 
the words that Jesus leaves with his disciples. Do you remember that great commission we looked at at the very end of Matthew? Look at what, what Jesus leaves his disciples with there. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Let that sink in. We serve a God. We serve a Savior who has authority. All authority. I don't think we allow that to sink in enough. And with that authority, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you realize the end of the age is yet, yet to come? He is still with you and I as we follow his commission. Luke, in Acts, expresses those final words of Christ this way. But you, Jesus speaking to his disciples as he's going to ascend into heaven, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remote part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The ascension of our Savior into heaven. God in the flesh, taken up, our Savior, living, alive. The resurrection that Nathan was talking about and the power that it has. We serve a risen Savior. Jesus, when he was with his disciples, said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is the one doing the work. And as we go through the book of Acts, as we go through the the letters in the New Testament. We are going to be observing the work that Jesus is doing. In the Old Testament, we looked at it as a scarlet thread, the promise of the one, the Messiah that would come. And we trace that through every single book. As we go through the New Testament, we're going to see red arrows. A movement forward that is occurring. And the red arrows are not going to be as bright as that scarlet thread. Because the movement forward, well, God's using his church. And there are times when the church is bold. And there's other times the church is not so bold. In fact, there are times in history, and even today, where we find the church lacking. And so the arrows, as it moves forward, we're going to see are somewhat transparent. We see clearly in the book of Acts that Jesus is doing a work. You know what's encouraging? He's using his church, his bride, the family of God to do that work. 
He is working through you and I. He was working through his people, his church. And Luke lays this out in a consecutive order, giving great detail. In fact, he gives some detail because he was there firsthand, watching and observing the work that Jesus would do. I love that, that when we begin the book of Acts, we see that Jesus ascends into heaven as our mediator, our intercessor. He is there for us, helping us as we do this. And then, right from the get-go in chapter 2, oh, the promise, the promise of the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And we see the Holy Spirit come, not to come upon as he had done in the Old Testament, but to come and indwell the believer to make his abode, his home, his dwelling with the believer. And when the Holy Spirit comes, it, it, it's the birth of the church. I, I love births. They're exciting. And, and whenever you, you go to a new birth and you see the mom and the dad holding the baby, there's smiles. When, when people come to visit, they see that little one and they're like, oh, it just makes you smile. This is an exciting thing. We are seeing the birth of the church and with the power of the Holy Spirit, it comes with a boldness and a power. I, I love that as we go through, we are going to see a forward movement and we are seeing the forward movement of the Holy Spirit. He is the one at work in you and in me. He was working then. He's working now. And he emboldens this young, baby, infant church to do an amazing, amazing work. There's a forward movement that you see in Acts. There's not much that's stagnant. I was talking with my son this morning. He's like, I was reading the first few chapters of, of Acts. He goes, and man, the church was doing things. He said they're not as, as you know, boring as, as we are now. Yeah. We see God working. I, I love that in, in chapters 1 through 7, we see the working of the Holy Spirit. We see the working of the church in, in Jerusalem. That, that mandate in, in, in verse 8, where, where it says in Ju Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, it's working out, is moving. And there's a two-year span that, that's covered in those first seven chapters. Predominantly, we see the church growing amongst the Jewish believers. They get it. Their Messiah has come. Their Messiah has paid for their sin as the ultimate sacrifice. And he's alive. I mean, the first day, there's 5,000 that place their faith in Jesus Christ. I love that. Peter, during this time, is, is the leader of the church. Oh man, and some of the sermons Peter preaches in Acts, powerful. In chapter 7, though, we begin to see that there is a resistance. We begin to see the, the, the claws of persecution start creeping in. In chapter 7, Stephen is, is martyred for his faith. 
chapter 8, verse 1 says that Saul was there watching it and giving his hearty approval of his death. They were praising this. What do you do when, when you face persecution? What do you say to God when you face trials and, and tribulations that come into your life? I've been in enough prayer meetings over my time. The number one prayer is, God, take it away. God, please let this stop. God, I'm uncomfortable. God, I don't like this. Do you know what they prayed? This is something that should probably be underlined in every believer's Bible. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. They're being persecuted. John has been thrown into prison. I mean, they're going through hard things. Listen to what it says. They lift up their voices and they say, And now, Lord, take note. Pay attention. Look on their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. What? You mean when they face difficult times, when persecution came, they said, God, we want to speak with all the more confidence. We want to be bold for you. What would happen if the church would pray that? Well, glad you asked. Here's what happens. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken. Because God's going to work. It was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? What would happen if we come together on a regular basis and say, God, we want to speak with boldness. We want to speak with confidence the things of truth in your word. Oh, God, give us a confidence. Don't take away the trials, God. Let us be bold through them. Well, I'll tell you what happens. God brings more persecution. In chapter 8, we see that the persecution begins to occur more and more. And over the course of the next 13 years, that's right, 13 years, we see the persecution increase more and more. Peter and Philip are now the leaders in the church and they're going out. Oh, the sermons that they preach in this section. And it's in this section that in chapter 10 that the Gentiles are introduced to the gospel message in a powerful way. And the Holy Spirit comes and indwells Gentiles. That should really thrill you because most of you here are Gentile. And we see in chapter 10 that God does a work there. Oh, praise the Lord. And guess what? 
Remember that guy Saul? Yeah, he wasn't liked by the church much. Guess what? God draws him to himself. In fact, Saul is going to have a name change. God's like, you know, how about you be called Paul? And he becomes a, a part of the way. It's interesting. Early believers were called uh, those uh, people of the way. You know why? Because Jesus said, I am the way. Not a way, the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so everyone who believed in Jesus was called, though those people are part of the way. Yeah, the way, not a way. What a cool designation. And we see that in Paul, or Saul, becomes part of this group. You know what's really going to be a cool thing? Think about this. The very man, Saul, who had persecuted, killed, tortured, tormented early believers, when he died, he stepped into heaven with cheers, with celebration from those he had put to death. That's the work of the cross. People of the way. It's in Acts eleven twenty six. Look at this. And the entire year they met with the church that's Paul and the others and, and they taught considerable numbers and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch you're like oh that's awesome actually it was a derogatory term that people made up for them they're like oh there's those Christians those little Christ followers those people that go and, and follow everything Christ says how cool is that what a designation. It wasn't something they called themselves. It was something that those looking at the church from the outside said, those people follow Christ. They've been with Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing when people meet you, their first observation is, whoa, he's a Christian. Whoa, she's a Christian. They've spent time with Christ. Oh, that'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? They're a distinct group. Towards the end of this section, as we, we move to Judea and Samaria, and, and we're moving out, the gospel's moving out, we see persecution increase to the point where Herod inflicts great persecution upon the people. And you know something? Something happens. Remember those 5,000 at the very beginning that trusted Christ. I, I want you, let me read for you from, from chapter 7. Chapter 7. Man, I have so many tabs, I can't even figure out which one's which. But look at this. When the Holy Spirit works, He, he does things in grand ways. Chapter 7, verse... <laughs> Sorry. Chapter 2. That's why I'm not finding this. You're like, uh, Pastor, <clears throat> your notes say something different. They do. Okay. Chapter 2, verse 7. Now we're all on the same page. You're like, well, we were there. We are just waiting for you. 
All right, so in verse 7 of chapter 2, look what it says. It says, They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all here who are speaking Galilean? Remember, Nathan talked about they were speaking in tongues. When Peter preached, he was speaking in tongues. They were hearing the gospel message in their own language. Look at what it says. And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia... Uh, Pyrrha and, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking the mighty deeds of God. Look at this map. Do you realize on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit was reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And as persecution would come in and Herod would persecute the church, all he did was light a flame. And those who had heard the gospel message in Jerusalem that day, who had been worshiping and learning under the teaching of the disciples, would now go back to their homes. And the gospel of Jesus Christ would go across the earth. Isn't that cool? Isn't that just like God to do an amazing work like that? They would flee Jerusalem. God's like, you know, you guys can't just stay here your whole life and be happy and cozy. I need you to go back home. And so he allows that persecution. Remember, it's Jesus saying, I will build my church. And he pushes them out. Sometimes our difficulties push us into places where we have the opportunity to share Christ. And look at that opportunity. And thanks to Rome, there was good roads to do so. Chapters 13 and 28 begin to extend the church to the ends of the earth. God is going to use that individual, Saul, who was persecuting the church, to be one of the pivotal individuals who would take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. It's about 15 years or so that we, we see and we have the records there. But the gospel is spreading there's, there's three journeys specifically that, that are recording, and I want to talk about a fourth here. But, but look at the first journey. There's some maps here, okay? And, and I know you have these maps probably in the back of your Bible. If you can't see this one clearly, just go to the back. The three different journeys that, that are recorded there. And, and I remember looking at these maps as a kid, and they're colorful, and the countries are different colors, and it was like this distant place, this distant time, almost cartoonish. I encourage you this afternoon to go to Google Earth and zoom in and see the homes and people and streets of people in these areas. 
the first journey Paul would take the gospel to key cities. Those key cities would then take it and, and, and spread it further. And he would establish not just believers, but a church a gathering of believers, and they would come together to study God's Word, which at this time, by the way, was still the Old Testament. How cool is that? We just got finished with that. Okay. The second journey. The second journey, the, the church in Jerusalem had a big meeting and discussion. It was a wonderful thing. Go and read that study, and I won't talk about it more here. But the, from the results of that meeting... Paul and Barnabas are like, we need to go out and we need to let the churches know this. We need to reaffirm and build them up. And so they go out and they check on the churches. Oh, the pastor's heart of Paul. I love that. He goes and he builds them up. He encourages them. He shares that message. And as they're going, God's like, hey, I'm going to open the door. You know what? We are going to go even further. And so they begin to plant churches even further, and they go back and they report back to Antioch all God is doing. Pretty soon, Antioch, the church there, is like, you know what, you need to go back. We need to send you out to once again strengthen, build up, encourage, instruct these churches. Make sure those, those elders and, and shepherds that are there taking care of the people are, are doing what's needed. And so once again, there is a third missionary journey. How many of you have ever planned to go and do something for the Lord before? That's concerning, only six of you. Shame on you. We're the church! We should be planning how we can engage people with the very words of God and introduce them. It should be part of our planning. How many of you have ever had God use you that you didn't plan for? Oh, everybody raised their hand. Wow, okay. God's like, well, you're not doing it, so I'm going to do it. Okay, so once again, I will build my church. Okay, good. Well, you know what? God planned, orchestrated, and even paid for the fourth journey. Did you know that? You're like, wait a minute. No, I have grown up in the church. There are only three missionary journeys. Nope, there's a fourth. Look at it right here. It's even mapped out. There's a map for it, so you can't deny it. Okay? <laughs> Look, I mean, it starts right here in, in, in Judea. That's right. Paul's arrested. And Paul says, hey, um, actually, I'm a Roman citizen, so I uh, deserve to, to have a... Actually, a jailer went on his behalf for him on that. Really cool how God worked there, okay? But God worked it out. A jailer speaks up, and he's like, hey, you're going to get a trip to Rome. What? Awesome! I mean, he goes on a cruise. He gets stranded on an island because, you know, things bad happen to Paul all the time, okay? But he gets... He gets shipwrecked and all of this God's paying for the whole thing and every step of the way God's like hey Paul here's an opportunity to share about my son Jesus and Paul takes it and people are coming to Jesus Christ all along that trip Paul gets to Rome and, and God's like well it's going to take a little while for you to meet with Caesar you know I'm going to have you meet with some other high officials Paul gets to preach some amazing sermons he's like hey since I have your audience <laughs> 
I mean, how cool would that be to get an audience with the governor and say, hey, I would really love to share Christ, and they had to listen. And then they're like, well, now you need, now that the governor's heard, now you need to go to the president. Cool, I'll go share the Christ with the president. And that's what's happening here. And God funds it all. He works through Paul to share Christ, even in Rome. I love how God works. I will build my church. Are you starting to see that God is the one who is just working and orchestrating the growth of his church here? And Paul does have some free time while he's there. You know, it's amazing how much free time you can have when you're arrested. And, and Paul writes some amazing letters. Those are going to go out later on. We're going to look at those. Where he instructs the church, he builds up, encourages them. I, I want you to remember that this is a narrative. As you go through Acts, it's a narrative. Luke is laying out certain things so we understand the progression and the growth of the church. There is a movement. We're going down the highway, and as you read Acts, it's quick. But there are certain stopping points that, that Luke takes to kind of give a progress report, kind of look back, see what God is doing, see how he's working, and, and moving forward. And I want us to look at just a few of those progress reports. They're right here for you there. So, but, but let's look at the first one. The first one shows that the church had a one-minded mind, mindset. They were working together, which shows the way that God answered the prayer of his son before he went to the cross. But there's fellowship and from the very start, and God is working. Listen to what it says. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness, sincerity of heart, praising God and giving, having favor with all the people. Remember, there wasn't persecution in the beginning. And God was working in Jerusalem. And the Lord, pay attention to that. It wasn't, and Peter was adding to their number every day. It wasn't, and John was adding to their number every day. It wasn't, and the church was adding to their, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. God was working. Jesus Christ was building up his church in the gates of hell. Man, they couldn't, they couldn't do a thing. Acts 6 and 7, man, they were trying, but they were failing. God's word was going forth with power and strength. It was growing, and it was growing beyond Jerusalem. It says in 6-7, the word of God kept on spreading. The number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests what, were becoming obedient in the faith. Isn't that cool? These men who had committed their lives to studying the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures were going, Jesus was the Messiah. They got it. They were being added to their faith. In chapter 9, 31, we see God, the Lord expanding the reach of the gospel. 
And he continues to provide the increase. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, do you see that, that growth that's happening there? It's, it's leaving Jerusalem. It's growing. Enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord, not man. The fear of the Lord, the one with all authority. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. You're like, wait a minute, I thought by this point they were having persecution. How could they have comfort? The Spirit, yeah. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's not based on circumstances. But the one they held to, the one they knew. Chapter 12, we really get into the, the persecution here, and, and God's word is still advancing. Opposition does not hinder God. There is not a wall that can be built that he cannot scale or just go through. Acts 12, the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. Do you see where the power was? It wasn't the amazing ability of the apostles. It wasn't the amazing, fun programs of the church. It wasn't this study or that study. It was the power of the Word of God that was progressing forward and doing work in people's lives, in people's hearts. I think sometimes in the church in America, we have lost focus of that. Chapter 16, we see the churches in regions and areas all over. The, the faith is growing. These, these churches were not playing church. They were being the church. And that's what we see in Acts says in chapter 16, so the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. Some of you are probably like, but we don't count. No, but you know what? We want to see God working. When was the last time you had the opportunity to see an individual place their faith in Jesus Christ? You're the church. I'm the church. We should be seeing this. Chapter 19, oh, it can't be stopped. Not even the Roman Empire can stop it. And so the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. By this time, there is opposition here, okay? Do you know how this, this book ends? Well, I'm going to show you. It's, it's chapter 28. The book ends, but, but God's work doesn't. Look what it says. And he stayed, that's Paul, a full two years in his own rented quarters, because he's under house arrest, and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. People could come and visit him in house arrest, and he was just preaching. That soldier next to him, every day he'd get a new soldier. One would come to Christ and he's like, hey, I know this other soldier. I'm going to have him come so he can hear this message. This is amazing. God's working. It's a forward movement. It is continually moving forward. It is not stagnant. 
through the ages, God continues to use his church. The book doesn't end there and say, well, and that's it, the end. No, that was just the beginning. Which brings us to today. And I know you have sat here listening to me for now 30 minutes. I want to take just a few more minutes to close because I believe the, the closing focus here is what you and I need to understand from Acts. What should be our focus? We, we come to Acts and we, we see it and, and we sometimes say, look at the Acts of the Apostles. Oh, don't dilute it that, to that level. When we come, we see God working. We see Christ building His church. We see the Holy Spirit enabling and empowering His church to work. We see the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one. And the work that he is doing. And we have the, the distinct honor and privilege to, to realize we're the church. God Almighty indwelling us wants to use you he wants to use me <laughs> wow in church he's not exhausted when you read through acts when you see the work of what God is doing in and through his church, oh, it should cause us to drop to our knees and exalt him. To praise him. It's not a work of just a few, Peter, Philip, and Paul. No, this, this is the church. This is the people of God working. We see the gospel of Jesus Christ in, in about 30 years go to the ends of the earth with a baby infant church. We've been around for over 25 years here. We have a work to do. Oh, church. Look at our community, Grace Bible. We have a work in our very own Jerusalem. And guess what? We look and we're like, wow, that is an amazing work God did. <sighs> Wouldn't that be amazing to see him work that way? And then we sit back and watch. It's not how it's done. Christ is building his church, but he's using his church. It's high time that we start being the church instead of playing church. So much more comfortable to play church, isn't it? 
Oh, but when we become, when we are the church, we see God work. Notice what was prevalent. Look at what was prevalent in the church. Unity, prayer, the forward movement of the gospel. Acts 1.14 says, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. I got together this morning for the prayer meeting before the service. I know it's early. It's like the crack of dawn at 8.30. Oh my goodness, who would be up at that just awful hour? And there was one who joined me this morning. Huh, I wonder why God's not doing stuff. Hmm, that's weird. It says day by day they were continuing with one mind, a unity, together with gladness, sincerity, praising God. You know, when we come to prayer, we can praise him too. We can rejoice over the work that he is doing and has done. The Lord will add You want to see God add? Then we need to be the church. We see fellowship, prayer, unity. We see trials. Oh, man, the trials in Acts. Whoo. Yeah. Yeah, they had a great, great guy in Caesar. But they were bold. Why? Because they prayed for a boldness. They recognized the opposition, and they're like, God said the gates of hell won't prevail, so we're moving forward. God, give us boldness. We see the opposition, and we're like, we're going to hide. Huh, why doesn't God do something? (laughs) Because we fail to realize what John would tell the church later in a letter the very spirit that indwelled them the very spirit that would let them stand in an arena as a hungry lion came charging for them singing praises to God that spirit is in you and me and look what it says greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world if he's greater what do we fear why do we hold back God's not growing weary I fear his church is We've lost sight of asking God for boldness. Church. I'm speaking to myself. We need to stop playing church. I appreciate what Tori says. He goes, we are too busy to pray. And so we are too busy for power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, few conversions, much machinery with few results. I want to see Jesus Christ build 
his church. I want to see people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want his word to hold power in my life, my heart, and yours. So I will not pray that your burdens, your trials, your struggles go. I will pray that through them you have a boldness and that Jesus Christ uses you in those trials for his glory. Let's pray. God, if it is necessary, it's scary to pray this, if it is necessary for you to be glorified, for you to have a greater work, God, for your church to grow, then I pray, bring on the persecution. And the walls and barriers that stand before your church, God, may we remember that the gates of hell will not prevail. That you, you, God, do a work. May we engage with you. And may we see you do a work in us and through us as your church. Oh, God, I pray this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.